First Chronicles chapter 11, if you have your Bibles. And if you guys would pray for me as I pr- pronounce these names. As we always say, if you, if you can't pronounce the name right, it's okay, it's no problem. Uh, it, it's the message of what God did that's important. All right, so let's read First Chronicles chapter 11, beginning in verse 15. Now three of the 30 chiefs came down to David at the rock at the cave of Adullam. While a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and he said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines and drew water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out to the Lord. God forbid that I should do this, he said. Should I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? Because they risked their lives to bring it back, David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. Abashai, the brother of Joab, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed, and so he became as famous as the three. He was doubly honored above the three and became their commander, even though he was not included among them. Beniah son of Jehoiada, a a valiant fighter from Kebzeel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down an Egyptian who was five cubits tall. Although the Egyptian had a spear like a weaver's rod in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehoiada. He, too, was as famous as the three mighty warriors. He was held in great honor than any of the thirty, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, as Pastor Randy comes forward, we know that you have prepared and laid a message on his heart to share with us. God, open our hearts and our minds to hear from you through our pastor this morning. Amen. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. And everyone who's here, thank you. It is good to see you. Your faces encourage me, and I appreciate you making time to be here and uh, be a part of today's lesson and our time together around God's Word. As Eric just mentioned, uh, we are still teaching and talking about the lion-hearted, but today is our final day. 
Today is the last day, and you did hear uh, just a moment ago the idea of the book that we've been preaching and teaching from, the idea of in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. You heard that passage of scripture. We're actually going to refer back to that. But I encourage you, this is the last time I'm going to get to encourage you. If you are interested in learning a little bit more, going a little deeper, this is a great book. You can do that on audiobook. You can purchase the book itself. Uh, Some of you have told me that you are doing that. Some of you have listened to the audiobook. It is not a long book, but it is a very good book, and it will encourage you and challenge you to live a little bit different kind of life. It's 4.8 stars with over 1,400 ratings. That's when we began. I'm sure it's a little different, but as you know, uh, it is definitely available to you on audiobook, and I believe it will be a blessing. Now, if you listen to what Eric was just reading a moment ago, there was some mention of the three, and there was some mention of the 30, and all of this stuff that is a little bit confusing to us. But, you know, in our world these days, we have things called like SEAL Team 6. You guys have heard of SEAL Team 6, right? Right, so we know that sometimes we uh, kind of refer to these military, uh, the 101st Airborne, right? You've heard of that as well, right? And so as you hear about these uh, regiments and these things that were created way back then and today, there's some touch points. The three was kind of a very, very close bodyguard, and the 30 was a little bit larger force that was maybe the Republican Guard kind of thing for David. Let's go to this something to learn that I wrote down here. When David was the king, he had a bodyguard that came to be known as the Three. And beyond the Three, another group of elite warriors known as the Thirty served closely uh, alongside King David. And so if you look at that and you read those passages of Scripture again, it begins to make a little bit more sense. And our guy, Benaniah, is connected but not included in these groups. And so he is actually held in greater honor than some of these very, very elite warriors because of the things that he had done. And let's go back and read it and kind of make sure that you saw, if you go to this next slide here, once again from 1 Chronicles chapter 11. This is 22 and 23. It talks about Benaniah and how he had beat down um, Moab's two mightiest warriors, went down into the pit on the snowy day. And then in verse 23, he struck down the Egyptian who was basically about seven foot five, seven foot six, incredibly tall. And he took that thing, uh, he took that guy on with the thing that he was out, outmanned and outgunned, so to speak, because he had a club, the huge Egyptian had a spear. And so if we go to this next slide, you see that he snatched that spear from the Egyptian's hands and killed him with his own spear. That's that's some bad stuff, man. That's full metal, right? I mean, that's cool. I wish, I wish one day at my eulogy when I am you know, being put into the ground, you'd be able to say that about me. It's not going to happen. But you know, if you ever wanted to lie in a church, go ahead and lie about me. You know, one time Randy took a spear from a seven foot six, you know, whatever. Anyway, but it talks about here how he was as famous as the three. You notice that? And then he was held in greater honor than any of the 30, but not included among the three. And so you go back and forth at these groups of people that were held in high honor. These were the kind of men that were surrounding David, and they were the kind of men that inspired people in an amazing way. 
And our guy that we have been talking a lot about, Benaniah, is that kind of man. He lives a very inspired and inspiring kind of life. And he's been the one that we've talked a lot about. Now, I don't know if you guys know what Reddit is. Can you, can you give me a quick little survey? How many of you have ever heard of Reddit? Can I see your hands? Now, now, leave your hands up. Hold on, hold on. Leave your hands up. How many of you know what Reddit is? Be honest. Okay, all right. We've heard of it, but we don't know it, right? Okay, and we're like, all right, we get it. Here's kind of what Reddit is. You guys have seen YouTube. Have you seen the YouTubes? <laughs> You've seen YouTube, right? Where they post a video, and then down below, everybody has comments, right? So Reddit is that in a little bit of a reverse. In other words, Reddit is a thread and a topic. And then people will have a post where they have comments on the topic, but they also might upload videos. Are you guys with me? So it's kind of like Reddit is a little bit of YouTube in reverse. Now, there is something that I would say. I don't recommend Reddit to you because as anything that gets posted with who knows who and who knows what, you never know what you're going to get, right? But Reddit has something that cracks me up. Now, follow along with me very quickly, and I'm going to bring it all around, so hang with me. They post these videos, and one thread is called, yes, 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 no. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? And then they have a thread that is called, no, 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 yes. Now, this is what it is. I'm going to show you a video that could be posted on either one of these threads, and then I'll explain it to you. Let's check out this video. Okay, this is just a video that I got off of Reddit. Oh, now you want to pay attention. All right, I see. Yes, this guy is showing that he's getting across on some thin ice. He's pointing to the thin ice. He's like, that's my spot that I'm going to need to be a little worried about here. So, so far, we're like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And then we say, no! <laughs> okay, you guys get the idea? I want you to think about Benaniah, the dude who followed the lion into a pit on a snowy day. And he deserves to be included on the Reddit thread of no, 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 yes. You guys understand what I'm saying now? Because when he goes into the pit, you're like, no, what are you doing? Nobody's pushing you into the pit. You are voluntarily going into the pit. What are you thinking? Oh, no. And then we hear the noise coming from the pit. And we're like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not good. And then we see movement and it gets really still. And we're like, oh, no, oh, no. But then we start seeing something moving in the pit and coming out of the pit, and we realize it doesn't have a mane, it has a helmet and a spear and a sword, and then we go from no, no, no to yes. You guys understand what I'm saying? Okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's just me and you today. Everybody else, they're barely here, but we're having a good time. So this is good. All right. So here's the idea. Out there in Reddit, which you now know, you're now experts, right? There is yes, 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 no. And then there is no, 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 yes. And so I am coming to you to not only educate, but to challenge. 
Because the truth of the matter is, is that many of us are living our lives. We want to, don't want to be as a part of one of these videos. And it is important for us to grasp and understand that God wants our life to be a yes, <laughs> whatever that might possibly look like before or after. He wants our life to be a yes, the kind of thing which inspires. And most of the time, that is chosen by you and me, not chosen for us, but chosen by us because we live our lives in a certain way where other people might not fully understand it. And they might even have the, no, 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 you're, that's a little too much faith. Now, I'm not going to ask you to say if you have it or not, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call somebody out. Do you guys remember? There was a, there was a time where we had a member of our church, and it was Josh Feldposh. And there were times where he would do things that would be a push on my faith envelope, if that makes sense. I remember one time he posted on social media, if you need any money, let me know. And I was like, Josh, no, 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 don't do that. That's too much. Like, don't do that. Don't say that because there are people that will take advantage of you. But he had already cleared it where the Lord was like, hey, this is what I'm laying on your heart. And if you know anything about Josh Felposh, you know that if it was laid on his heart by the Lord, he was going to do it. Amen, right? You know the Felposhes. They were all in. And that was one of the things that pushed my faith. Benaniah was that kind of man who pushed other people around him. He inspired people to live the life that they were capable of living, but probably didn't choose to live most of the time. And let me be very clear, our big idea all the way back in week four was that there is no such thing as something that's too small for God. It is all important to him. Now, I want to just share something with you. Did you guys hear the story? And, and if you guys will allow me, I'm just going to try to use my imagination. And this is really important. If you're a person who reads the scriptures, read the scriptures and let the pictures form in your mind. And if they're not forming in your mind, you're probably not taking enough time to just kind of slow down and listen to the words that are being said. But if you heard what Eric read just a few moments ago, I get the image in my mind that David was there surrounded by maybe this group of close elite warriors. And he was there, and as he was kind of conquering the land and being given what God had provided for him to be the king of Israel, and then this process of turning over from one group of people to another group that was leading the entire nation, I get the sense that David was there in a place where they were safe. And they were just kind of talking about different things. And maybe... They, just like a lot of soldiers still tend to do, man, what's the best thing you ever had? The best food you've ever had, best drink you've ever had. And David says to them, he says something along the lines of, I remember one time where I was just dying of, of thirst and the best drink I ever had was some water from the well in my hometown, the town of Bethlehem. You guys recognize that name, right? Bethlehem. And so as they're talking about it, the three talk amongst themselves and go, let's get him a drink of water from that well right now. Do y'all see where I'm going with this? This is a no, 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 no. Don't do this. Because they are surrounded by Philistines. 
they break out. I think maybe in the cover of night and they pass through the lines and they go all the way to Bethlehem and they dip down into the well and they get a drink of water and they probably put it in some sort of skin or canteen type thing and they break back in and they bring it to David and they said something along the lines of here is water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. This is our gift to you. Wow, that's pretty cool, right? You guys understand what's going on here? I mean, this is a no, 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 yes. But David doesn't handle it in the way that we think he's going to. Now, if you listen closely, let's go, I think it's to this next slide here. I believe it's on this next slide. This is David longing for water. Someone would get me that drink, and so they talk about it. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Now, I want to be very clear about something. As we see this passage of scripture, it wasn't like he brought them a drink and he was like, no, I'm not drinking that, you know, that kind of thing. It wasn't that at all. You guys follow? Because back in those days, and this is another something to learn, back in those days, even as early as Jacob in Genesis chapter 35, the Bible talks about pouring out a drink offering before the Lord. It was a holy thing. I believe that's on this next slide if you see it. And you see there that it was a holy thing. And so when they give him that drink, whether it's a, a cup or a canteen or a goat skin or whatever it was that he was drinking in that ancient time, he didn't go, no, I'm not drinking that. He says, how in the world could this just simply be for one person to enjoy? How can this change me but not be something that I hold even more sacred. You guys risk your life so that I might have something. This is a blessing to me, but I want it to be a blessing to all of us. And so as I hold this up, I realize that this is a gift. And as I pour it out, I pour it out before the Lord so that he might receive the honor that you guys have done for me. And then he pours it out. You guys follow what I'm saying? This is all just in my imagination, but go back and read it. I think it's pretty clear that it's right there in line. And this is so important to get because I almost feel like in some ways the men who risked their life might have gone, no, 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 no. We want you to have it. No, 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 no. Oh, yes. Like he turns this from just a gift into something sacred into a story that is told for generations and generations because he's willing to say, this is not about me. This is about something bigger than me. And so for many of us, we are constantly living our lives, receiving good in our lives and saying, this is for me? Oh, thank you. Or even if we go a little further, this is for me? Oh, Thank you, and this is a good thing, but it is not the highest. The highest is where we receive something, and then we turn around and say, this is not just for me. This is for us. This is for him. This is for all of us to grasp what God has done through you, for me, with us. It's just all of these things, and for most of us, We never get to that place. We receive something good and it's a yes, yes, this is good. 
But then we forget that there is a higher calling. And I want to just share a little bit about that with you today. Because for us, if we're living our lives so that we might receive a blessing, it is good, but it is not life-changing. It is not eternal. It is not soul-altering in our own life or even in the lives of other people. So we have to go to a different place and grasp that God is able to do something if we offer our lives as a true sacrifice and as a true gift. Now, very quickly, if you were here last week, you know I screwed up and I didn't put all of a quote on uh, one of the slides. So I got one of them but didn't have both. I got it right today, so I want to share it with you. Let's go to this next slide. Oh, yeah, and don't miss this. There's a fine line between crazy and courageous, between mundane and meaningful, between madness and a masterpiece. Can I get an amen on that? Isn't that true? It's a very fine line. And most of us are way too close to the mundane and the madness and the crazy and not embracing at all the courageous, meaningful, and making our lives a masterpiece. Man, I'm glad I didn't miss that. Thank you. All right, let's go to this next slide very quickly. This is the Mark Batterson quote that I screwed up last week. Do we really believe that God is ordering every footstep, even when it feels like we've taken a misstep? Do we really believe that God is sovereign? That means in control of all things. When nothing seems to be going our way. Do we really believe that God is good, even when bad things happen to us? It is the sovereignty of God that gives us a sense of destiny. And then as he continues in this quote, he says a little bit more. Let's go to this next slide. And it is the sense of destiny that helps us embrace the positive and negative uncertainties that happen in our lives. In his book, Learned Optimism, Dr. Martin Seligman says that all of us have what he calls an explanatory style to account for life's experiences. An explanatory style is the manner in which you habitually explain to yourself why events happen. And I preached a little bit about this, but go to this next slide and you can actually see the book. It's called Learned Optimism. And in his five big ideas, which he clearly stole from me, uh, an optimistic explanatory style stops helplessness, whereas a pessimistic one spreads helplessness. If you don't grasp that God is constantly at work and constantly the Romans 8.28 principle in your life, then every hit that you take is not building towards something greater. It is something that you have to just simply endure because it just happens to happen to you. It's just happenstance. There's no reason, purpose, nor rhyme behind it all. But we know differently if we are Christians. We know that all things work together for the good to those that love him and those that are the called according to his purpose, as Romans 8.28 reminds us. And so we got to be very careful that we don't have this pessimistic explanatory style for the things that have happened to us. Now, very quickly, here is the big idea that I want to share with you. Lionhearted lives are based on established choices to honor God first. Lionhearted lives are based on established choices to honor God first. Now, we're going to talk about something that you and I don't want to talk about real quick, but I'm telling you in advance, don't respond, all right? Just give me a deer in the headlight. Wow, y'all are already there, deer in the head. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Here's the thing. Deer in the headlights, I'm giving you permission. This will not happen very often, I promise you. But think about this for a second, right? You want to go to the gym, 
And you want to do that early in the morning before you go to work. Remember, deer in the headlights, right? And so you're like, tomorrow morning is my morning. And then the alarm goes off and you're like, tomorrow morning is my morning. (laughs) Why? Because there's still that wiggle room in our life. And then the next day comes and tomorrow morning is still my morning. And now half the week is gone. You know, as long as half the week is gone, let's just go ahead and start that next week. Because, I mean, why do it halfway, right? I'm not a halfway kind of person. It's just me. I know, right? Here's the thing. This is the truth. If you don't mind backing up to the big idea, the lion-hearted lives are established choices. You don't decide in the moment. You leave that decision and it's already made. It's pre-made. It is a decision that you've already thought through. And that overrides the feelings of that moment. We all know we, suppo- we are supposed to be going to the gym, but we don't because the feelings override what we know to be right, what we know to be sh- you know, the thing that we should be doing. So again, we come back to the established choices, the constant thought that I've got to do what God wants me to do, not what I want to do, but what God wants me to do. And then the next time we think about it, we think, you know, I really want to maybe go in that direction, but I know that God is telling me that's not the right direction. So I'm establishing in my mind the mindset that I follow God's path first, not the feelings of the moment. It is an established choice. And here's what I want to kind of bring it back to in the lion, you know, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. I don't think that Ben and I went, you know, runs up to the edge of the pit and stops and goes, let me think about this for just a second. You just see him, don't you? Like he went in without a thought. But how in the world do you follow a a lion into a pit on a snowy day without a thought? The thought should be, I ain't going in there. (laughs) But it's not the thought. The thought was, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And it's already established. Do you guys understand what's, what's going on? This is the problem for most of us. Every time we come to a precipice, we look around and go, let me think about this for a minute. And we think, what do I want? What do I feel right this moment? And most of the time, that's far enough for us to say, I'm not doing that. But in somebody like Ben and Aya's life, he doesn't run to the pit, contemplate. He just acts and reacts, and it's done before he even realizes, what in the world am I doing in this place But God is big enough, but he has already established how big his God is. Y'all know what I mean by that? This is not, hey, good news, God's big, if you think it. It's a question of what you believe and how you act in response to what your belief is. If I don't believe that God is big, God is still big, but I'm the loser. If he is big in my belief and he's big as he normally is, then I'm the winner. This is the difference. My belief changes me and my circumstances. It doesn't change God. God doesn't need me to put a stamp of approval. Randy says, you're a big God. Congratulations, you finally made it. No, no, no. God's already there. It's just a question of me establishing my choice of how big the God in my life is going to be. And for most of us, we reveal how big we think God is by the things that we are willing to do for him with him. I think that's far enough, but for him and with him. 
Let's say this together, if you don't mind. Lion-hearted lives, if you back it up for me one thing, thank you. You're, you're ready to move on from this big idea because you think if I get past this, we're going to finish. No, we're staying. All right, all right. Teasing you. I'm teasing you. <laughs> Let's say this out loud together, okay? Lion-hearted lives are based on established choices to honor God first. I'm going to say that one more time because I screwed it up. Lion-hearted lives are based on established choices to honor God first and foremost in our lives. All right, so very quickly, Philip Yancey wrote these things, and this is how we begin to establish our choices. If you go to this next slide, faith means trusting in advance what will only make sense in reverse, or what I have said, seen in reverse. In other words, if it's all going to make sense in hindsight, faith means I believe it before I see it. Now, how many of you guys have the benefit of hindsight and you look back and go, wow, God was really at work, right? We've all had that experience. Here's the difference between seeing is believing and I have faith even though I cannot see. And by the way, that's what Hebrews tells us, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. In other words, right there, we're going to believe even before we see that that thing that will make sense in hindsight is something I'm going to act upon now even before I see it. This is how we establish that we are people who live by faith and not by, do you know the next word according to the scriptures? Not by sight. If it's going to make sense later, then I will believe it in advance because God is at work. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. Now, <laughs> I want to just say something here real quickly. I love this. Um, this is 25 things more likely to happen to you than winning the lottery. Y'all know what this one is, right? You're more likely to be attacked by a shark than win the lottery. They've got 25 things. And if you look real close at the fine print at the bottom, check this out. It says that the New England Journal of Medicine reported that from 1990 to 2006, 16 people died from digging under the sand that collapsed on them and smothered them. It counted a dozen U.S. shark attack deaths in that same period. So basically you're safer in the water with the sharks than you are on the beach in the sand. Some of you don't believe me. You're like me. The smallest little brush against your leg in the Gulf of Mexico makes you scream like a little girl. I, I'm, not that I do, but you do. You do. Yeah. Right? It's one in 11.5 million. And yet I know that every time I feel that, whatever, I'm, here it comes. One in 11.5. Should have bought a lottery ticket. <laughs> Y'all know what a lottery ticket is, right? It's a hope for. It's a hope for. Man, it sure would be cool if this happened. Can I just tell you something? If you want a great life, you better not have a lottery mentality. <laughs> because I don't know if you've noticed or not, but bad finds you and good evades you. You don't bump into a great life. You don't accidentally become a great father or a great parent. You don't accidentally become a person who just happened to wake up and, wow, look at the shape I'm in. This is fantastic. I woke up overweight and out of breath yesterday, 
But today, I look like an Adonis. I look like a Greek statue. I could run a marathon. No, it doesn't happen like that. Why is it that we wish for good things in our spiritual life to just simply happen? And we know that that is not the way the world works. It's just not. I mean, we don't accidentally fall into goodness, greatness, or anything else. It's a choice and a consistent one at that. And for most of us, our lives are not near what God has created us to be because we have not dedicated ourselves to do the things that we already know that we should be doing. Let's go to this next slide, if you don't mind. And this is very, very interesting. Thomas Edison said, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. (laughs) Can I tell you, that's the same for spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and it feels like work. Because, you know, (laughs) as Jesus said, what does it profit you if you love the people who already love you? Love somebody who doesn't. Everybody loves people who love them. Love somebody who doesn't love you. Love somebody who it's hard for you to love, right? Isn't it funny how Jesus just said it like it was? Crazy, right? I want to go to this next Mark Batterson quote, and this is the last one I'm going to have an opportunity to share with you. And so I I pushed a bunch of them together. That's where the dot, dot, dots are, so just follow along. But he says, opportunity often look like insurmountable obstacles, like lions and pits on snowy days. No, not a good idea, not a good chance. Most of us pray for God to keep us out of pits with lions on snowy days. We pray for comfort instead of character. We pray for an easy way out instead of the strength to make it through. We pray for no pain, even when that means there would be no gain. A lion chaser's fear of missing out is greater than their fear of messing up. And can I just be honest with you? When most of you, when I've talked with most of you about doing things that are beneficial to the Lord's kingdom and for you, ultimately, you know what you've told me? You've told me that you're fearful of doing it wrong. I haven't had anybody say, you know what, I'm going to do that because I do not want to miss out on what God has created me to do, enabled me to do, empowered me to do, and called me to do. Most of the time, probably 10 out of every one, I get, I don't want to mess it up more than I get, I don't want to miss out. I think we've got it wrong. Can I get an amen on that? I think we've got it wrong. So very quickly, we go back to this, and this is not just my opinion. This is really important, and this is our one to remember that we've had We're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So we weren't created to just barely hang on by the, you know, the fingernails that, you know, barely keep us alive and then eventually make it into heaven. That is not what he created us to do. For most Christians in 2021, we are barely hanging on and thinking we're doing good when we are supposed to be more than overcomers in his name. God has prepared in advance for us to do good things to change this world, not simply weather the storm of this world. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. And I talked last week about tools for rebuilding after 
a, a loss in your life, I want to use those very same things to talk about how you build a good life. You begin with scripture, that is Romans chapter 12, a renewing of your mind that changes the way that you think about life. And then prayer we trust that God is working on both sides of the equation. Anytime we move for God, when we sense his push to do, then that is our cue to say, you know what? He's already been working. He's going to be helping. If he's already moving in my heart to do something, he is already at work on the other side of the equation. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. In Genesis chapter 39 chapter 41, and then in 1 Chronicles chapter 11. I want you to look closely. Last week we talked about Joseph and how the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord was with him. And then can we find anyone who is like this man? We can sense that here's something different about him. There's the spirit of God or the spirit of the gods that is working in Joseph. He's just got something different about him than everyone else. And then we hear today in our passage of scripture the same exact thing about the man who brought the water and turned it into something that was bigger and better than just a wonderful gift for him. He turned it into a time where it was made for worship. And what did God say about David in his own word? And David became more and more powerful. Why? Because the Lord Almighty was with him. There was something different about David. There was something different about Joseph. They just didn't seem like everyone else. There was just a little extra measure of grace. There's a little extra measure of insight. They realize it's not just about me. And so I have to ask you the question, and I have to ask myself the question, is there just something a little bit different about me? And if there is not, why not? Did God stop working? Did God stop being able? Or is it me? Is it me? Is it just me? I mean, it's not me. Is it just me? Oh, it is me. It is me. It is me, the one who stopped relying on God the way that I'm supposed to. The one who thought that this was for me and not for him. Do you see what I'm saying? It is not just you and me that should be receiving the praise, the glory. There should be something different about us because we have a different set of eyes. We see it different. We grasp it different. And God is at work in a different kind of way. If that's not true, man, today is your day. Today is your day to decide this is not it never has been, nor is it going to continue to be about me and me doing the least that I possibly can to still claim the name of Christ. It is supposed to be about him. And I think it's important that we not ever lose sight of that. All right, very quickly, let's go to this next slide. <clears throat> These tools for building, it's scripture and prayer. I talked last week about how we confess and apologize if we were on the offending or hurting end. Or we forgive if we were on the end that had been offended somehow. And then we talked last week and again today about how our explanations for what happens in our life is much more important than the experience that we had in that life. It's much more important that we see the hand of God than just simply say, well, this thing happened and so it is what it is.
Let's keep moving here. And this is important. How do you live a lion-hearted life? I said it last week, and I remind you again that victory begins where? In your mind. Always begins in your mind. Here's what I mean. John Milton said these words. He said, and the mind is its own place, and in itself it can make a heaven out of hell and a hell out of heaven. The truth is, is that it's not about what happens to you. It's about what you tell yourself about what has happened to you. It is the things that you can share with other people and be a blessing in those very same ways. So it begins in your mind, but then it also is evidenced by your words, and then it comes out as actions. And you can see that on this following slide here, and you can find it. Victory begins in your mind, evidenced by your word, completed by your actions. This is how we live lion-hearted lives. And I don't want you to miss this. This next one. If we constantly are doing what is prudent, we will never live a life inspired enough to be considered valiant. In other words, we all desire for our lives to have counted for something, to inspire someone in some small way at very least. For most of us, we're so busy living a prudent life that we never will do anything that puts us outside of our comfort zone, outside the things that we can grasp and do in our own human self. But the truth is, is that valiant people are the ones who inspire us to do more and be more and do things that God has laid on our hearts and even called us to do. Because remember, we're called to do good works, not just simply survive. And so when David takes the the cup and, and he says, okay, this is poured out as an offering before God. And when he does that, everybody says, no, 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 no. Yes. 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 I didn't see it, but now because you have embodied it, now I see it. Valiant, powerful, lion-hearted lives that inspire us to be all that God has called us to be. And I'm going to tell you, it's hard to find valiant lives anymore because most of us are so focused too much upon ourselves. Very quickly, here's a couple of big questions and an I apply by and a few other things as we bring this to a close. I'm going to do this very quickly. So what is your explanatory style? Is it positive or negative? In other words, when things happen to you, how do you explain it? Are you a person who is constantly, of course it happened to me. Of course, nothing good ever really happens to me. And if it does, it goes away quickly, right? This is the explanatory style in your mind, probably a conversation not had out here, but within. What is your explanatory style? Are you a person who says, you know what? I can see God's hand at work, even though right now I feel like I'm in the pits (laughs) and I feel like I'm wrestling with a lion. I can tell you one thing. God is still at work. Why? I don't know how to explain it. I just know it. It's the explanatory style that we have in our own minds, even when we're dealing with difficult circumstances. And what words do you speak about your inner dialogue? Those things that are in your head and they finally slip out. What are they revealing about you and what you believe? And what actions are you taking to move beyond your past, your past failures? Or even bring that past 
in and let it be redeemed. And the failures and the failings, all of those things that have happened, those things being committed to and redeemed by God, the bad experiences and the good being shared because God is at work and I'm not afraid, nor am I ashamed, nor am I defined by the negatives that have happened in my past. These are big questions that you got to ask yourself. So very quickly, here's how you apply this message. You make a small change this week in your most needed area, whether that's your mindset or your words or your actions. These are things that you can change with very small things that you do, but it is important that if you really want to build a life that you are proud of, it changes with your mind, it's evidenced by your words, and then it is proven by your, if you guys get this one right, I'm moving on. What is it? Your actions, right? Okay, so here's what we're going to talk about as we close not only today's message, but also the things that we've been talking about in the Lionhearted Life series. Our greatest regret. It's a funny thing about regret. <laughs> Our greatest regrets. No, no, I got it right. I spelled it correct. Our greatest regrets... No, I didn't spell it right. I regret it. Sorta. Oh, you're going to remember this one. You're going to remember and remind me of this one. Whatever. Whatever. It's whatever. That's what, that's what my daughters always tell me. It's whatever, Dad. All right. It's whatever. Our greatest regrets are based in our failure to act. It's in our failure to act. In an average week, people say that what they did, there's the action, the thing that they did, the action that they took, they regret it. About 53% at that time, in that one week. So 53% regret something they said or did or whatever, and 47% what they didn't do, what they didn't say. You guys understand? Y'all following me with me so far? But in the long term, guess what people say? Action regrets go all the way down to 16%. And 84% of people's greatest regrets over a long period of time is what they didn't do, what they didn't say when they knew they had an opportunity, but now it has passed. How many of you know that? You already know that. You've lived that. I've lived that. This is a reminder that we cannot afford to not act. We have to choose to act or we will have those regrets. Even if the tattoo is correct. So interestingly, something has become very, very, very um, common in our world. Go to this next slide. How many of you woke up to see this in the last three days, right? Amazon. How many of you remember when Amazon was literally just a bookseller? Any of y'all remember? Wow. You know what? That would have been the time to invest in Amazon. Can I get an amen? Invest in Amazon when it was just a bookseller. They had an IPO. If you don't know what an IPO, that means an initial public offering. And that means that basically they opened it up and said, if you want to invest in Amazon, whoever you may be, Randy Puckett in Sugarland, Texas, you can own a share of Amazon stock. All it's going to cost you is, wait for it, 
18 bucks. Oof, right? I heard some of y'all go, oh, regurt. <laughs> the IPO price was $18 in 1997. Wow. Y'all ready to have some pain? That means that if you had invested $500 in all the stock splits and all the, you know, dividends paid and all the different things and all the different earnings and stuff, right now in 2021, you'd have $1,063,692, roughly. I mean, that's pretty close, but that's pretty rough to miss out. Rough to miss out. You know what you don't realize? We're all like, yeah, regret. I should have. Here's what's interesting. I think what we like to do is be so binary in our choices and decisions that we say, well, I really wish I would have done that. But there's even more. Because the truth of the matter is, is that Amazon went way up. But do you remember September 11th in 2001? And how that initial public offering of $18 a share Amazon didn't just keep going up and up and up. When it hit in September 28th, its lowest point, September 28th, my wife's birthday, by the way, September 28th, it hit its very lowest point. It was at $5.97. Today, it's at $3,283 per share. What I'm trying to convey to you is You choose a path that you know at the end of your life you will have done something that you are proud of. And for most of us, we're chasing stuff that we're not proud of now and it sure isn't going to pay us in any eternal reward. But we're chasing it like it's desperate, like we got to have it. It doesn't even pay us now because even when we receive it and achieve it and kind of cross that finish line, it's still empty. We're still looking around going, "Uh, did I miss something? I got everything I thought I wanted and now I still want more. You see? Here's where the regret comes in. That we believe, and you're here today because you believe that you will one day stand before God. And as 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, that we must all stand before the judgment seat of God to give account of what we've done in our bodies, whether that's good or bad, the choices that we've made, the offerings that we've given to the Lord, those that we thought were for us, which were not, the things that we've done for others rather than for self, the things that we did when no one was looking, the things that we didn't know would bring about God's plan, but we just knew that that's what God was saying. And then we look back and go, wow, that right there made me feel alive in a way different than ever before. The problem for most of us is when we stand before the God who gave us life and said, now go and do good works with that life, we're gonna regret what we didn't do But just like you can't buy Amazon for $18 today, much less $5.97 or whatever, you are not going to have a chance to go back, undo it, and redo it. When there is no second chance, how are you going to feel about the life that you have built? Probably you will have wished 
that had been more about him and a whole lot less about me, about you, about self. I believe that we all know this, but we get momentum and we just never break out of it. So what I'm hopeful for today is is that some of you who know that the momentum has been taking you in a path that really isn't bringing you what you wanted in the first place, that you would decide and determine today is going to be a turning point for me. And I'm going to lay myself on the altar and I'm going to say, let it be more about you, God, and less and less and less about me. Would you stand and bow your heads in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, as we end our time, you called us to live a different life than we often live. You've called us to live lion-hearted lives. You've called us to risk and to attempt and to do for the kingdom rather than self. And oftentimes we have not done that. If we have gotten in the momentum of a wrong direction, I pray that today would be a turning point. And that we would no longer wish for a life that brings about the things that you desire. But instead we would commit ourselves to walking in that path each and every day. And that it would constantly be a shift of mindset. And that we would continually be renewed by our mind being fixed upon you. Lord, we need you. We need you. Especially in our world today, we need you. And I pray that you would be that anchor and that shift of change for all of us, I pray. So very quickly, as your heads are bowed and your eyes closed, and I really do want everyone to just simply bow your heads and keep your eyes closed, because I know that this is a very personal thing that I'm talking about, but I'm asking today to you, maybe in all of this, the Lord's been speaking and it's been a slow build, but you know, you see, you know that your life has been about you and no longer about the things that you probably should be placing at the center. And if that is true today, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call your name. But maybe you know that your life needs to be more focused on God's plan for you than it's been. And you want to just simply lift your hand and say, you know what? I'm placing myself on the altar of change so that God might change me from the inside out and begin to remake me in his image. God bless you. Is there somebody else here today who would lift your hand? May God bless you as well. May God bless you. Anyone else here today? May God bless you. I thank you so much. Anyone else today before we, before we close? I thank you, God, and thank you for each and every hand. Yes, I saw that last hand. Thank you. And may God continue to bless and move in your heart and in your life. And Lord, make us living sacrifices for you. In Jesus' name we pray.